So in 2003, I, I launched this endeavor to see if generative space would work as a euphemism for Caritas. And if it did, if it would produce the kinds of outcomes that I was interested in, which in the long run would be what you suggested in the beginning, Mark, that we would be creating beacons of health, of extraordinary health and flourishing throughout the world. I'm Dr. Mark Rowe, and welcome to my podcast, In the Doctor's Chair. As a family physician, my expertise is supporting people in the areas of positive health and lifestyle medicine. Join me in conversations that share life lessons, health habits, and leadership practices, focusing on positive psychology, lifestyle medicine, and ways that enable you to live with more vitality on purpose. Appreciating that when it comes to your vitality, that everything is so interconnected. Episodes will air weekly, and you can find me wherever you listen to your podcasts. And of course, on my website, drmarkrow.com. As a practicing family doctor with expertise in lifestyle as medicine, my purpose is to encourage and support you in terms of positive health, personal growth, and all things well-being. As I say, to never stop starting. Each month on a live webinar, I teach learning by doing and learning by being. The why and the how of health enhancing habits, giving you the science as well as support strategies to live with more vitality. I'd like to invite you to join my self-development club. To learn more and to sign up, visit drmarkrow.com. I'm really delighted to be joined in the doctor's chair today by Dr. Wayne Ruga, a real pioneer in the areas of new understandings of health, of the impact of environments and health, of generative space, of caritas in the world. Welcome, Wayne. Thank you, Mark. Thank you. I'm delighted to be here with you, and I'm excited to be able to share some of my reflections on leadership with the people in your community. Thank you, Mark. Well, I first came across Wayne when he wrote a leading article editorial in the British Journal of General Practice. I think it was in 2008. He was talking about generative practices being beacons of hope and possibility for community health. And it was he was really describing a new way of looking at how health could be built and rebuilt, redesigned from the ground up where you could create these generative spaces. And at the time I was developing the Waterford Health Park and Wayne's language and ideas really resonated with me. And I reached out and we connected and we've developed a great friendship that's endured the test of time. And Wayne is one of these people. He's a real pioneer in the world and he's someone I've got tremendous respect for. Wayne, can we start our conversation by asking you about this concept of generative space? Absolutely, Mark. It's my favorite subject to to talk about. Ever since I was a really quite a a young person, I've been interested in how we can enhance the human potential. And um, at first, it kind of came to my awareness by looking at plants. And beginning to see that if I have three different flower pots with the same flowers in them, and I 
give different conditions, provide different conditions to each of the plants, they respond in different ways. And I thought, hmm, people are just like that too. I wonder what the optimal conditions for human beings would be. And I, I started to think about the physical environment um, as being an enabling factor for human potentiation. And so I became extremely passionate about that idea. And I realized that the way we make environment mostly in our world, and this goes back into the, say, the 1960s, we really weren't being mindful of how we make environments that could enhance the human potential. And so I thought that I would want to become a person who had the ability to design the environment and work with individuals who wanted to have their lives be more potentiated than they currently were. So I studied interior design. I practiced interior design. Um, I studied architecture. I practiced architecture. But I had an experience as I was studying architecture where I saw quite dramatically how people in vulnerable health, people in needing support for their health, how particularly crucial environmental support could be. So I decided to focus my career to be an architect, um, a healthcare architect, and make hospitals, and make healthcare places. And I started doing that. Um, I did that quite successfully. But then I began to see that um, there weren't very many people who were in my professional communities of interior designers, of architects, of people who ran hospitals, who really thought about this, who were very interested in it. So I decided that um, in as much as I wanted to make the world be a better place, doing it with my own hands had limited potential to make a big difference in the world. So I realized that in order to have a greater impact, I needed to start speaking, like um, speak at conferences. I needed to write, begin to write articles in magazines and journals, um, have my work be published. Um, and so I did that. And I was teaching and that I saw that my Students were very excited about my ideas, but as I reflected even deeper on my impact, I saw that the world's a big place, and I was only impacting the lives still of very few people, and the people whose lives I was impacting weren't in a position to be a multiplier, to leverage my impact. So one day, I just had this idea to make a conference where people could come together who were passionate about this like me. And so out of my professional practice, I 
took the time to make this conference. I'd never made a conference before. I didn't anticipate that too many people would come because it didn't seem like the community was very large, those who were interested. But I saw that what was missing was a place where multidisciplinary stakeholders could come together and learn from each other, be able to see the world through each other's eyes, be able to stand in each other's shoes, um, and share resources with each other so that we could um, take these resources back to our individual contexts and make improvements. And so lo and behold, 35 years ago, this conference began and it was an overwhelming success. It was really like a groundswell of positivity about what an important and compelling idea this was. So um, people asked me a question. People asked me two questions that I didn't anticipate. When would the next one be and where would it be? And I had no clue because I hadn't thought about it. And so I gave it some thought, made an arrangement for a second one. And um, this year in September, the 35th annual one will be occurring. And um, this has changed the world. It's changed the world completely, all around the world. Um, and it's, it's breathtaking to see how in 35 brief years, how the world of environments, particularly the environments for health, have um, become transformed by this idea. As we did this, people started saying, well, how do we know really that, that these things we're talking about are really going to work? And people said, you know, in healthcare, the people who are involved in the decision-making in healthcare organizations, the trustees, the key decision-makers, are people who have a, an orientation that um, is like a quantifiable orientation. They're interested in return on investment. They want to know how much does it cost to do this? And if we do that, what will we get back? And how long will it take? And um, I said, you know, truth be told, you know, we, we don't have much of that. We don't really have any of that um, to the level of quality that you'd be interested in seeing. So I decided to make a research center um, which also continues on today, which is a global epicenter for research um, on healthcare design. Generally, it's called evidence-based design, although um, in my own biased point of view, I don't think that's the best way of describing it. But um, for people who want to understand how the environment can have an impact on outcomes, on organizational performance, on health and well-being. They can find a lot of research through this. But it became evident to me after a while that these two interventions that I had made, both the conference and the research center, weren't really 
sufficiently focused on the actual people who every day were standing on ground zero of healthcare, either receiving it directly or giving it directly. And I wanted to find a way to more directly, more immediately impact what they were doing, to improve the patient outcomes, to make um, the environments more supportive for staff. So not only is it from a functional point of view, is it easier for them to do their work, but from an emotional and psychological and a wellness point of view, that they feel enlivened in the places that they work. So I engaged in uh, personal and original research to begin to discover the answer to this question of how do we really do that? And um, I came to this idea of caritas that I saw really what was missing is what we call care. Um, certainly in the U.S., what, how, how we call the system is the health care system, the health care industry. And what I saw as I looked at this and you know, around the world also is that we're very, very good as a scientific community making um, interventions that improve health, things like technology, things like pharmaceuticals. Um, but the thing that we're not very good at, and as a matter of fact, I, I thought we were getting less good at was being caring. And so I went to look for those places that would be considered to be exemplary, to see, you know, what are they doing that I might learn from? And I saw that within the whole universe of places that have to do with health, maybe 2% of places really are places um, that improved over time, that um, had peak performance, that were centers of excellence in terms of the outcomes and the um, staff performance. I, I call it staff performance, but I really mean, mean more factors like longevity and staff satisfaction. And, uh, and so I, I said that the question that I want to find the answer to is how can we make the 98% of the places that don't do this be able to do this? What do they need to know so that they can improve what they're doing? And it just underscored care, care in every way. And so I came to the word caritas and I saw, thought, yeah, I don't really know this word. Um, and as I began to investigate it, and this happened in 1999, so that was, what, 23 years ago, um, I saw that, that the word caritas meant absolutely everything that I thought we needed to do to improve the environments so that care can be improved. And it wasn't the other way around. It wasn't that we improve the environments so that care could be improved. We improve the care so that the environments are improved. And they reinforce one another mutually. I know you're a big fan, uh, as I am, of Roger Ulrich. 
And I think his work is fascinating. You know, he, he talked about how, you know, patients in hospital beds that had a view of nature, they got better quicker. Uh, they spent less time in hospital. They needed less uh, painkillers post-op. I mean, that that's really interesting about, you know, the benefits of a sort of a, a healing environment. I mean, even Florence Nightingale talks about the natural antibiotics of natural light and fresh air. So I suppose this, the evidence in inverted commas of environments being potentially health enhancing or health depleting are all around us, Wayne. They are. At the time that I had the idea to make the research center, which was in 1992, um, I went to Washington, D.C. to talk to the editors of what's called the U.S. News and World Report. The U.S. News and World Report make various league tables of the ratings of universities, of hospitals, of specialty practices. It's very, very influential in America for purchasing decisions. You know, people have a great deal of discretionary ability of where um, they spend their money. And so by having these rankings, the U.S. News and World Report provide a very useful function. It's kind of like a buyer's guide in a sense. So I went to Washington to meet with the editors to um, talk to them about this idea of research in healthcare design and how the work that we were doing could enhance the work that they're doing to bring another dimension to it because they they didn't have on their radar screen anything about the environment. So... We were in a big conference room with a lot of the editors sitting around, and they asked me what research we had. And I I mentioned this one report, um, Mark, because it was one of the few reports that was available then in the early 90s, the study by Roger Ulrich. And they actually laughed, Mark. They actually, yeah, yeah, they did. Um, They laughed and they said, if that's all you can put on the table, um, to say that you are going to be leading the way um, and you want us to participate, um, you just don't have enough there. Um, that that would be considered to be a good pilot study. Um, but in terms of the kind of clinical, medical, scientific research that we would need to participate in the work that we do, nobody would pay attention to that. So as a result of that conversation that I made a commitment that I would make this center um, for healthcare design research, which um, you know continues to grow and be influential today, um, because that was the truth, and it is the truth, that the quality of research is very important. So going back to generative space on, on, on your, your, your question, so I became interested in this word caritas as being the place where I saw the gap that I wanted to create the intervention to bridge. And as I would go around and talk to people about the importance of caritas, most people couldn't really respond positively to that because so 
lot of people didn't know what the word meant. People associated it with various religions and religious um, outreach efforts. And they thought, therefore, I was part of it. I was promoting that. And they didn't respond very positively. So I began to see that um, I needed to find another word, a word that in the world of business that would describe the same idea, but it would be less contentious. And as I became a student of Caritas and I began to dig further in my independent original research to see really what mattered to people. I, I, in 2003, when I completed my research, um, what became very clear to me is that the word generative space, the words generative space, were words that I could develop and define to be a euphemism for caritas, to be a euphemism, to, to mean the same thing as a more caring environment. And so that's what generative space is about. And if you think about it, um, it it's space generating as a positive thing, human potential, those conditions that enhance the human potential. It's not just a physical space, it's it's the interactions of people in that space too. Well, what I came to learn, and it, it, just because of the lens that I saw the world through, because I was trained as a design person, the lens that I saw the world through was that the answer to every problem was the physical environment. By doing my original research and talking to people who were involved in healthcare, people who were a cross-section of stakeholders um, who I got to get to know extremely well over a period of three years, what I learned from them is that the physical environment really didn't matter that much at all. The thing that mattered most to them was their experience. And um, as we talked about, as we deconstructed what experience meant to them, part of it has to do with the physical environment, but part of it doesn't have to do have anything to do with the physical environment. It has to do with the human interaction. And sometimes even the experience, you know, like, like now in this electronic world that we're increasingly moving into for the delivery of healthcare, it has nothing to do with the physical environment. It has nothing to do even with the human interaction. It has to do with an experience that we're having in our mind of how things are or how things might be. So I began to understand the importance of experience. And from there, I developed a method of what we can learn about and practice that results in our ability to engender more generative space. And I said that the metric as to whether or not a space is generative is that it's a place 
to flourish, that we create a place to flourish. And what that means as a metric is that even though I might be the person who is initiating the cultivating of this generative space, and within generative space, we don't talk about making it or applying it or creating it, we talk about cultivating it, like cultivating flowers, really, discovering those conditions that are the conditions to potentiate this situation, this person, this organization, this community. So we cultivate a more generative space. And when we're successful in doing that, we create a place to flourish, not because I did it and I say I did it and therefore it is, I only know that it could be or might be because the actual people who are experiencing it say to me in their own terms, this is an experience that I'm having that is enabling a flourishing in me. And the flourish, and I use the word flourish because. There's a lot of ways to understand what the word flourish might mean, but in art terms, flourish means like a little extra pizzazz um, that you put a little spin on something because bit you, of spice, bit of vitality. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like like you see, um, sometimes people just get so happy, and you hear the the term that they. Um, click their heels in, in the air. Um, sometimes you see little kids um, playing outdoors and they're just so full of joy and happiness um, that they're just spinning cartwheels, you know, they're flipping over in, in the air. Um, to me, that's what the flourish is, that people have a, a sense of their experience of, oh, that's a that's an aliveness that I don't normally have the opportunity to feel. And so in 2003, I, I launched this um, endeavor to see if generative space would work um, as a euphemism for caritas. And if it did, um, if it would produce the kinds of outcomes um, that I was interested in, which in the long run would be um, what you suggested in the beginning, Mark, that um, we would be creating beacons of health, of extraordinary health and flourishing throughout the world. And of course, you know, generative space and creating places to flourish, this doesn't just apply to healthcare environments. This is an idea that anyone listening can begin to apply in their own lives today. Isn't that right, Wayne? That's exactly right. That it applies as much in, in our living room as it does in our mm. local hospital, as it does in the schools that the, that the children go to, um, in our communities. And So could I ask you then, if, if somebody listening was interested in, yes. you know, creating a more generative space in, in their own home or in their office, mm-hmm. what would be the first step somebody could do to, to move in that direction? I encourage people who are interested and new to the idea to buy a plant. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to buy a plant. And spend time with the plant, discovering 
the conditions that the plant requires to flourish. And um, then we begin to, we can begin to use ourselves and look at our own experience in terms of what are interventions, what are conditions that I can bring to my own life. And like the plant, I suggest that people start with simple things. Like for being human, of course, there are things that most people don't adequately attend to in our lives that can make a big difference very quickly. For example, one of these is proper hydration. And so many times when I give talks to groups and I mention that, I say, um, raise your hands. How many people drink two liters of water a day? Probably not many. 10% of the people in any group might raise their hands. And I ask, you know, this isn't the first time you've heard somebody suggest this. Why don't you? You know, it's such an easy thing to do. The simplest thing is you turn your tap on, you fill up a cup, and you drink eight glasses of water a day. Why don't you? And most people explain that it's not the drinking of the water, it's the eliminating of the water that becomes so inconvenient um, that because of that, they don't want to consume the water. But of course, you know, we wouldn't on purpose starve our plant of water. You know, we see dramatically how a plant will not live much less flourish if we don't properly hydrate it. And I say, well, you've all heard the expression, an apple a day keeps the doctor away. This is one simple thing that we each can do every day. It's not expensive. It's not complicated. Um, there's medical reasons why this is a, um, a practical thing that we all can do. How many people eat an apple a day? Same thing, Mark, you know, maybe 10%. And I think, you know, this is, apples are cheaper than, than paracetamol. <laughs> really, why wouldn't you eat, eat an apple a day? And, um, but this is beginning to discover, what do I need to flourish? Most people don't breathe properly. And so there are things that we can do to bring more oxygen into our system. Walking, um, dancing, bicycling, taking three deep breaths several times a day. And so I suggest to people, find out what it's like to have your body be fully oxygenated. And these things will begin to give you an indication of how you can go more systematically in approaching um, habits, new habits that you can bring into your daily routine that will make your life be richer from the inside out. Well, on that note of making life richer from the inside out, you know, cultivating more generative spaces, 
creating places to flourish, bringing more characters into the world, and really looking at the life potentiation of that simple plant in your room or in your house and how hydrating the plant and giving the plant the right food and oxygen can really enable that plant to flourish. I think that's a wonderful metaphor for a lot of your work, Wayne. And thank you for joining me on The Doctor's Chair. It's a pleasure, Mark. It's a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for listening to my podcast, In The Doctor's Chair. For further resources to support you to live with more vitality, please visit my website, drmarkrow.com. Thank you.